if we're dying, if our backs are against the wall, it's time to ask mm. the really important, powerful questions that are going to take us to a different place. And we believe we move and grow in the direction of the questions that we ask. And so we need to start asking some powerful questions, some right questions, that we can start growing out of our corner and back into a place of, of health and life and, and, and wholeness. Well, kia ora and welcome to the Redemptive Family Podcast, where we're exploring back-to-basic, highly relational ways of being church that really make church growth inevitable. And the reason why that is, is because, well, we're doing what Jesus called us to do. Well, this is episode four in our series called Help My Church is Shrinking. And maybe you're thinking that, maybe you've even voiced that. And if you are, then we have a whole lot of hope that we can give you in this episode and in others that we've done that can really take you on a journey of helping see your church thrive. Well, my name's Steve Hooper. It's my privilege to be back in studio uh, hosting this podcast for you. And in studio again today is my good friend Howard Webb, but he's brought the whole team, the Love Your Neighbour team. So we have Howard. Hi, Howard. Hi, Steve. Uh, We have Howard's uh, better half, Lynette. Hi, Lynette. Hi, Steve. And, of course, the third part of the dynamic trio is, <laughs> is Bruce Edmonds. Good to have you, Bruce. And thanks for your welcome. Well, today's episode is all about helping our church change its culture to be more effective for the kingdom. And let's be honest, this is basically the bread and butter of love your neighbor, isn't it? Well, you say that, but um, we didn't actually start off doing the Redemptive Family Church series. Mm. How we started was working with individuals from churches who were involved with community-facing ministries. And we wanted to help them to be more effective, to to do what they're doing, but to do it in a a much more uh, relational Mm. um, but successful way. And it kind of worked because what happened was we worked with those people and they got really inspired and and it was nice to be able to be part of that. And they went back to their churches and they put into practice what they'd learned. But then we found there was a bit of a problem Mm. because what they wanted to do was to take their church on this journey as well. They'd been on a journey with us, but their church hadn't. And so when they wanted to see change happen in their church, the church culture took over Mm. and they weren't able to generate that kind of change. So this caused us a real uh, reflection moment. Are are we actually doing what we want to do? Are we succeeding how we want to? Because we want to see whole church families engaging in their mission and understanding what that is. So that's why we pivoted to change to the Redemptive Family Church series, because it works with the whole church family. Mm. And so the whole church family can go on a journey together and see change. Mm. That's our bread and butter now. Oh, fantastic. Mm. Yeah, and that's how it should be too, the whole church, right? Not just part of it, trying to inspire the rest of it to do something good, yeah. And that's the aim. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Exactly, Steve, and that's, I think, what inspired Howard to get all that thinking and learning together and process it by writing the Redemptive Family book, mm-hmm. which is going to show um, our listeners and viewers I'll make sure he does. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and that really explains the kind of culture that, of the kind of church culture that is sustainable in disciple-making. Mm. So it gives the philosophy and theology behind it, but also some very practical advice. Our church plant in Point Chev, Church at 1 to 6, was based on all those um, premises and principles, and it's living proof Mm. that the uh, (laughs) principles work. (laughs) (laughs) So um, we're here to talk in today's episode about how 
to change culture, how to make it real, um, how to take your church on that journey. So you can see uh, the website for more information about the book and everything else we offer. Um, that's redemptivefamily.org. And if you go to the website soon in the next 30 minutes, there'll be no steak knives, <laughs> but you will find some excellent resources and inspiration there. Definitely. Oh, I highly recommend you check that out. There's some really good stuff on there about the book, uh, the, the church course, and also um, a bit about your church at 1260. <clears throat> well, in this episode, uh, we're looking at hope and help for cultural change. Great topic. Now, Howard, as has been our tradition over the last few weeks, maybe you frame the conversation for us. I think the arc of our journey so far in this podcast series, we've, we've really seen that putting the making of disciples back in the middle is really the way back to, to life and health and growth. And mm. when we're feeling good about ourselves, uh, we just become a lot more attractive to others as well. And so it's good for us and it, it helps us be that kind of attractive kingdom kicker community that our neighbors need to find as well. So being a disciple means being on God's mission. Um, mm. That's really what it means. And our mission is to fulfill the purpose for which God basically established his church in the first place. So it's not just a Jesus and me thing. And I think a lot of us think of discipleship like that. When we're outward focused, when we're reaching out and welcoming in and growing the kingdom, um, our faith becomes grounded. It becomes very real. And this is something we need to do together as a church, even on Sunday. Mm. So we've had a lot, we've shared a lot of ideas and a lot of stories uh, in the podcast series so far. And I hope that those stories have warmed and stirred you. But how do you convince others in your church that it might be worth trying to do something different, right? That's mm. the hard bit. <laughs> yeah. um, how does your church move from where it presently is to the ideal picture that, that we've painted? And that, in a nutshell, is what we're going to be talking about today. And it's going to be useful to think about today's topic of, of changing culture um, in three sections. Mm. Uh, I think, firstly, we need to understand how culture works. Uh, then we need to... We need to talk about the catalyst that we need for change, and then we need to talk about the change process. How is that actually going to work? Oh, this sounds fantastic. I mean, I'm really looking forward to hearing what we have to say on this topic, but maybe, Lynette, um, how does this culture work? Okay. Yeah, culture is an interesting topic. It's not just the words on the wall or a mission statement, but mm. it's the values and customs and unspoken mm. rules that everybody lives by. Mm. It's not just what we do, but how we do it. Um, you can be... Encouraging, loving, permission-giving, responsive, perfectionist, all of those are part of your culture, but it wouldn't be reflected in your mission statement anyway. <laughs> yeah. So culture can be good or bad or a mix, but at some level, culture serves your church, or our church, any church, to keep it the way it is. It holds everything in place. It's a powerful force. It's a bit like a modern elastic girdle that keeps you in the shape that you know. <laughs> you no have. idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, I do. Carry on. I believe the modern word for them is a waste trainer. Oh, okay. <laughs> but if you've heard the words said by people, we tried that and it didn't work. Yeah. Um, it's likely that there's been some challenge to the culture and the culture won mm. and the challenge was subdued. Okay. So Peter Drucker, uh, people attribute the quote to him that culture eats strategy for breakfast. <laughs> yeah. You might have heard that. Yeah. And I think that is true. The best and brilliant ideas that people come up with sometimes fall flat because of the culture. Mm. So if we're going to do anything that's consistently different from what we're doing now, we're going to have to change the culture. I'm hearing you say from what you've said that culture is a good thing, right? But it can be, well, we need, might need to change our culture, but it could be hard to change. You know, why is that? Steve, it is hard. 
And and change needs three very important ingredients if it's ever going to happen. And your church could remain stuck unless all three of these criteria are met. And they really are. There needs to be a willingness to, 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 to change. There needs to be permission to change. Mm. And then you've got to get to the tipping point. There have to be enough adopters of change to get us to the tipping point so that change becomes inevitable after that. Mm. Shall I speak to the one? Yeah, this one? sure. That's great. Yeah, people need a compelling vision of the future and to become discontent with the present. Mm. So there is that um, gap to travel um, and the willingness that will help people leave where they are to go to a new place um, can be helped by the leaders. If leaders would acknowledge that there's a cost involved, there may well be some loss, as people say goodbye to certain practices, habits or structures, um, and leaders can help acknowledge that too so that people can, um, I guess, uh, be consoled that the leaders understand the sacrifice they're making for change and that will help them be willing to go on the journey. Mm. But the changes we're making, you're talking about making changes for doing things better. Absolutely. For for coming in and actually feeling part of a community and belonging and all those things, those changes are, are, are made for those reasons, not for uh, yeah, leaving things behind. Well, we do leave things behind, but we're going into something better. Is yes. that what you're saying? Yeah. Yes. So that's important. Uh, that willingness to change has got to be there. Mm. But there's the sense that there has to be permission as well. Yeah. Because without that, the, the general um, agreement is that nothing will change. So every organization and, and church is no different, has leaders. And the leaders need to be engaged with this process, this desire for change, just like Lynette has said. Mm. And, and they need to give permission for the change to happen. So for the majority of people to even consider do they want change, they, they need to be able to uh, know that it's okay to think about change mm -hmm. <laughs> because you know, we all have sacred cows and churches yeah. have a lot of them. We know that. <laughs> um, change on Sunday, can you do that? But a leader can say, yes, we can consider anything. It's okay. So that's important. And when Love Your Neighbor goes to work with a church, we engage with their leaders um, first because we need to get that permission. But then you have gatekeepers, mm -hmm. right? Once again, every organization has them. And in a church, those gatekeepers are the ministry leaders. They're the ones who are working really hard to make things happen and they have their teams who are supporting them and they don't want to be disrupted. They want to carry on and do the things that they're doing and to do them well. They're really good people and they need to be there. So if you're going to have change, you've got to be able to demonstrate to those people that this change is going to be good, that there's a reason for it, there's, they're working towards something that's going to be helpful and they want it and their teams are going to benefit by engaging with it. Mm. So you need those two levels of permission in churches to be able to move forward to the mm. actual sense of change. Mm. Yeah. And then the third thing that needs to happen for change to actually happen is you've got to get to that tipping point. So, you know, Malcolm Gladwell wrote a whole book called The Tipping Point, um, where he was just raising this kind of point that you don't need a majority of people to go with an idea for that idea to take hold and for change to happen. What the exact number is, I think, probably changes from context to context, but it's somewhere between 10 and 20% of people. If they adopt the change and start moving with it, everyone else is going to follow. Mm. So you don't have to convince the majority of people in your church yeah. about the necessity for change. 
but you've got to get to that critical mass. You've got to get to the tipping point. Mm. Okay, so you said there were three points in that, Howard. So we've looked at the culture of change. What's mm. the catalyst for change? What comes next? Yeah, so the second part is you do need a catalyst for change. Something has to happen to bring your church to a change moment. And uh, and this catalytic event, if it's properly harnessed, is going to create that magic window where it's possible to really introduce change and where the willingness and the permission and the tipping point are all going to come together in that magic moment. So it could be an external event like someone's taking away your church building, mm-hmm. right? Now, that's that's harsh, and uh, and we'd hope that, uh, that what brings it about is going to be something a little bit kinder than that. But there needs to be this catalytic moment. And our own product, the Redemptive Family Church series, has been used by many churches to to do exactly this, mm. to be that catalytic event that, that brings some focus and some intentionality around and, and creates that window um, where change is possible. Um, Paul Milson, who was, a episode, who was our guest in episode one, um, his church is a great example of how the Redemptive Family Church series was that catalyst that actually got them on the journey towards change. And so, you know, mm. it's great to hear Paul talk about that. So, team, you said that, yeah, the, the Redemptive Family Church series is one way of causing this catalyst for change to happen in the church. But why is that? Why does it work? Well, I can think of two two reasons. I'm sure these guys will think, think of more. So it creates a focus. Mm. Instead of just doing a scattershot thing, you know, our heads are full of all sorts of things and ideas and um, and church can be a busy, busy place. And what happens is when you decide to, to do this as a series, it just brings some focus. And because you're all doing it together, it's a shared experience. And mm. so um, instead of us all having our own experiences, you know, I'm having my kind of personal devotions and you're you're having yours. Now we're all reading the same stuff and we're on this journey together and it just creates opportunities. Yeah, those opportunities come out quite naturally. Because you're on the shared journey, there's a, a sense of a common language that comes out through the conversations that are happening. Oh, you probably know this in, in your church because yeah. you're doing it right now. But as you are throughout the week in your small groups, in the sermons that you're listening to and in the personal devotions, considering the same things, the what you're considering and the way you're thinking about them generates this um, common language through the conversations that you have. Yeah, it's, it's our dream when churches engage with us that not only are they talking about these things in small groups and listening to sermons and um, the, having personal devotions, but around their, their family dining room tables, mm. they're actually talking about yeah. these issues as well. And as they do that, and as they engage with others from the church, and this common language starts to come out, then there's a sense of a vision, something to, to work towards that starts to take shape. And so that common language and the sense of a vision to aim for are two things that really make this work. I really believe the process as experienced by the church leader or the church member who's participating isn't complex and overwhelming. It comes at them at a a good pace and it makes it simple and doable and gives people hope. And if a church uh, chooses to do the series with us, we, Love Your Neighbour team, will walk alongside them through the process 
And when they get to that last weekend with the facilitated churchwide conversation, we're there. And because we're an external party, that makes the conversation a safe place for people. They're not having to front up to the leader who they might find intimidating or um, whatever their personal dynamics are. Those can be laid aside as an outside person steps in to help frame the conversation and Mm. keep it safe for them. No, that's good. And I've seen that happening in our church already. I mean, even halfway through, yeah, there's some great things happening, some great conversations. And because everyone is focused on the same thing, it feels like, hey, we're all going in the same direction. You know, this is great. I mean, what's wrong with that? Okay, there's been a catalyst, right? And maybe it's the Redemptive Family Church series and everyone's fired up and they're all wanting to do something. How do you capitalize on that before things start to sort of fade and maybe go back to yeah. what they were before? Yeah. And that's the, th- that's the third part um, and that's the good change process. Mm. There has to be a, a change process, otherwise it will all just go away again. Yeah. And uh, for us, that process means a safe, facilitated conversation because uh, everyone in church needs to be given a voice. Uh, there needs to be a process for finding that consensus in the room so that everyone can, that everyone can coalesce around um, so that they can come up with a plan that's going to be taking them forward. And the Love Your Neighbour team very much embraces the principles of appreciative inquiry, mm. uh, which is which is a process we just love using. And uh, and here's some of the things that appreciative inquiry says that, that we fully endorse. Um, there's something already working well in your church that's worth looking at, that's worth saving, that's worth taking with you into your new future. And uh, so everything's not a dead loss. We're talking about remodeling. We're not talking about bowling the whole building and starting mm. from scratch, right? We're saying there's some good, solid stuff mm. here. And uh, and people are going to feel better about going into the future knowing that they're taking the best of their past with them. Uh, the second thing is that we need to ask important, powerful questions. I think sometimes in church we we ask safe questions, Right questions which are not going to ruffle any feathers, but if we're serious about if we're dying, if our backs are against the wall, it's time to ask mm. the really important, powerful questions that are going to take us to a different place. And we believe we move and grow in the direction of the questions that we ask. And so we need to start asking some powerful questions, some right questions, that we can start growing out of our corner and back into a place of of health and life and 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 wholeness. Mm. Mm. And then the third thing is is there's going to be this conversation, right? We we can't yeah. A conversation to which everyone's invited, a conversation that everyone can participate in. And then when you look at the room, not everyone's going to be there, right? And you're going to go, oh rats, I kind of <laughs> wish that so and so was here. Or yeah. uh, but you've got to believe that the right people are always in the room. Right? Everyone's got the same 24 hours in a day. The people in the room are the ones that prioritized this time to come and be part of this conversation. It was important to them. They wanted to be here. We need to just go with that. The right people are always in the room. You've got to work with them and you've got to go with that. Mm. So I could talk us through the process of what would happen if the Love Your Neighbor team were to come and facilitate this churchwide conversation for you. Just uh, let me explain how it rolls for us. So we would begin by helping the church leadership define that burning question. What is it that you want to find an answer to together? Uh, an example of a, what we thought was a powerful church um, question 
from a few years ago was, how can we be the kind of church that no one wants to leave? Mm, good question. That was provocative, and it brought the right people out to that particular conversation. So we having that question as the draw card, we would then take people through um, everyone being able to tell stories of their best experiences of church and discover the best of who they are. What's already true for us that we can build on? And that would take a good couple of hours and it's a wonderful process. And next step would be to dream about our future together. And there we would use something like World Cafe, where we have a long time of people having deep discussions about that future. They'd jump forward in time and go, we've become this church that we've dreamt of being and no one wants to leave. But how did we get there? What did we do? What were the ingredients? And then at the end of that discussion, we gather all the ideas and we discover which ones captivate the imagination of most people in the room. And then at the next stage, we would get people in groups to design an experiment that takes that really good idea and then pitch it to the whole group and really give it a good sell, make a nice poster, um, be quite descriptive and dream and creative in that whole thing. And then when people are getting excited about experiments, we'd say, okay, who's coming to the first meeting for this one? Here's the sign-up list, who's organizing, who's hosting this meeting? And they would kick off with the experiment and over time, they could um, improve it, um, evaluate it, discard it if it needed to be discarded or reinvented. But the journey of hope has begun for mm. that church. Yeah, oh, that's great. And I've been part of that conversation with you in a couple of churches, mm -hmm. just in the background and, and observing how you've done that. Um, and I've seen these experiments that you've sort of put out there. But maybe can you share some experiences or examples or, or stories of, of um, these experiments that some churches have picked up and run on after the conversation? Yeah. Well, I've actually written some down. Hey, so, really? yeah, <laughs> cause I, I know there's a lot forget. of <laughs> So what, one church, because you need to remember that every church is different. Absolutely. Yeah, and even the question that they ask in, for the conversation is different mm. because they're different people in a different setting. So, so the experiments that they come up with are different. So one church came up with a, a Sunday food truck after church. Okay. Food. There's a lot of things about food. Food, right? food is, is a big one, yeah. yeah. So the idea was that the, the church and the community would have an opportunity to mingle. Yeah. And that was a great experiment. There, there was um, no certainty that it would work, but it's an experiment. Mm -hmm. And so experiments are there to be able to succeed or fail, but you learn from them. So whatever the outcome of the experiment is, is fine. Nothing's wasted. Nothing gets wasted. Yeah. Exactly. A couple of churches actually came up with very similar ideas, which was um, cafe tables at the back of the auditorium. Mm. So enabling people to have space for conversations. And the way they did it was slightly different, but same kind of idea and discussion was a key part of that. Uh, another church decided to opt for table church. So we all know what um, sitting in pews, rows of pews is mm. like. Well, sitting around a table is a different experience. Which is what you guys do anyway, isn't it? Well, it is. Yeah. But they dared to change their Sunday service. Oh, good for them. So big deal, yeah, right? Yeah, big yeah. Deal. so that was a, that was a big one. Um, changing the outside of their church building was yet another church. So they saw that the, their uh, structure was kind of daunting. Mm. It was hard for people to go in in the first place. And so they opted to make that change to make it more welcoming and accessible for, for new people to come in. That was a big deal for them and totally appropriate for that church. Um, discovering others challenge was the <laughs> heading for a, another church. So it was actually recognizing that new people were coming into the church mm -hmm. and, and then getting to know them and through that process showing genuine hospitality and, and a welcome. 
and so making a difference in the church culture in that way. Um, yet another example was was open homes. So people in the church family opening up their homes around food again, hospitality, and hospitality, and and creating opportunities for yeah. for the church family to get to know each other really well. Mm. So those are quite different experiments, but each one of them was relevant for the church that um, came up with them. Yeah. And one of you may have mentioned this before. I'm trying to track back on the previous podcast. But the thing I like about what you do is you don't come in and tell them what to do. You don't even give them the burning question. They come up with them. They come up with it themselves. Mm-hmm. And so it's their idea. Then there's buy-in. And they have these experiments, which, as you say, they can fail. It doesn't matter. It's just an experiment. It's not something we're changing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've had a number of churches that you've gone through these uh, courses in the past. What sort of uh, what sort of feedback have you had after these uh, church wide conversations? I'd say overwhelmingly positive, but mm. just so we can prove that to you, <laughs> <laughs> you have some written down. <laughs> I have a, a lovely testimonial. Uh, a few years ago, we did the region uh, did you, did this process with the church in the regions that was strong, was doing well, mm. but it had gone into decline, and they were unhappy about the place they were in the people they were losing. So we went through the process and then a couple of months later, I think Bruce went back and spoke to one of the church leaders and she wrote this lovely testimonial for us. I'll read it for you if I may. Yeah, go for it. She says, we were in a desperate place. People Mm. were leaving, old hurts were nagging. Some were disgruntled or discouraged. Where should the mending start? The Redemptive Family Series and Conversation was the turning point in our church life. The facilitators, that's these marvellous people, did a fantastic job leading us through the thinking process. They came up with great questions tailored to where we were at. We had previously felt all alone doing our own thing. Just coming together and being given a place to share freely started us on the right track. Young people suddenly sensed hopeful possibilities for change. Newcomers found a welcome and wanted to bring others. This is not a quick fix or an outside program, but it's helping a congregation come to solutions and a way forward with God's help. Mm. So that was hers. And then a young guy at another church more recently wrote just a short quote after our conversation. (laughs) I felt like we achieved more in these few hours of deep conversation this weekend than in my seven years of church previously. Wow! So we took that to heart. We're greatly encouraged. Yeah, that's really good. So there's, so there's a bit of a theme in everything we've been saying, um, mm. and that is time for conversation, mm. right? So it should be at the heart of church. Um, we, we, we need time to talk in church. It shouldn't be naughty and rude to talk in church, right? <laughs> it needs to be time to talk. Yeah. And then this weekend conversation, it shouldn't be a one and done thing. Right, it should be the first step in a new way of being being church, and we need to hear each other often. I think sometimes traditional church meetings, with microphones and strong voices and strong opinions dominating the room, can feel pretty unsafe. And people who are more withdrawn, who are more timid, um, don't feel like they can com- compete or deal with the put-downs if they were to actually say what they think. And so we have to find ways of creating safe spaces where everyone can be heard, where everyone can express the desires that God has put on their heart mm. <laughs> heart too. Yeah. And so um, we shouldn't just have a one-and-done thing. Right, we need to be having. We need to learn new ways of having these kind of 
conversations and mm. having them often. And the good thing about that too, uh, understanding couples as I do, you know, having been involved in family mm. life, just another mm. plug there, um, Howard, we'll have to cut this series now, but um, <laughs> you talk about conversations and people being heard and listened to and what that, that communicates is that people feel cared for. Mm. If they feel heard, if they feel like they have a voice, mm. they're going to feel like this is where I belong. Mm. This is my family. They're caring for me because they're listening to what I say. So, yeah, really, really important. So we've talked about this Redemptive Church uh, series. So, Howard, maybe tell us a little bit more about it. If, if people are wanting to find out what it is, uh, where do they get it from, yeah, maybe share some about that. Yeah. All right. Well, here's the, here's the book that has my name on it. And uh, this was a, a blood, sweat, and tears project. But uh, <laughs> uh, pretty much our own church at 126 has been, you know, we built it on the principles contained in this book. Um, and they're really just four simple ideas. We're a family in a place on a mission together. And, uh, and we just, you know, build out the biblical basis for that particular understanding of church. Um, so there's that, a great read. Um, <laughs> and then this is the handbook yep. that everyone in church would get if they chose to do the Redemptive Family Church series. So it's five weeks of personal devotionals. There's some small group studies, some weekly s- small group stuff. There's a survey at the end of each week that you would fill out to give some feedback to your leadership about what you're thinking and where you're going in your in your thoughts, and uh, and then hopefully we'd wrap it up with that churchwide conversation at the end. Um, and of course, it doesn't have to be us. Um, we'd say the conversation is a must, a big missed opportunity if you don't yeah. grab that window and begin a change process. But I think we're a pretty good bet, Steve. We've uh, we facilitated these conversations for a great number of churches now. I think we've kind of found our mojo in doing that, mm-hmm. and uh, we look forward to serving you in this way too. So check out redemptorfamily.org and, uh, yeah, be in touch. Yeah, and a great team from what I've experienced of you guys. You only do things well. Um, you've got a heart for seeing uh, churches grow and thrive and you've walked with many churches over a number of years and, and the feedback that you shared I mean it's fantastic and you're getting a lot of that from many different churches all over the country so uh, yeah keep doing what you're doing uh, if you want to check these guys out Howard mentioned redemptivefamily.org uh, we have one last session uh, one last episode uh, next week we have a special guest coming in so don't miss that uh, jump online, subscribe uh, come and join us again next week as we have the final episode in our series of How to Grow Healthy, Thriving Churches. Redemptive Family is a podcast by Love Your Neighbour, recorded by Campfire Studios and produced by Toby Palmer. Our intro music is Jazz Brunch, and outro music is Carpe Dam, both by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Our ad music is Chiefs by Jazzar, J-A-H-Z-Z-A-R. It can be found at freemusicarchive.org. Special thanks to our host, Steve Hooper from Family Life. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and leave a review. We always love reading them. And lastly, for more episodes, resources, and hope, head to www.redemptivefamily.org. See you there.